0: Have you ever heard of Simple Practice? It's an electronic medical record system, aka EMR, let's just say it for short, that is so user-friendly, even I can figure out how to use it. Seriously though, y'all, they made it so, so easy. There's so much customer support and tutorials. They made it much less daunting whenever it was just little me starting my practice. And also, they make it super simple and convenient for you to be able to add therapists if you decide you ever want to grow. This was 100% instrumental in helping me when I was starting my practice. Using simple practice whenever I started my private practice definitely made the road, we'll just say, a little less bumpy. Check the link in the show notes to get yourself one free month of simple practice. Let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Speech Good. A podcast where we showcase awesome SLPs doing awesome traditional and non-traditional SLP things. Myself and the guests on this show are here to talk about the goods, the bads, and the untamable parts of ourselves and our SLP careers and how, despite the challenges of everyday life, have just done the dang thing, loving what we do. I'm your host, Danny Augustine. I went from burnt out, dissatisfied with my SLP job to dusting off my big girl pants Sprinkling some determination in my 20 cent coffee and starting my own debt-free private practice. Now I love my working career and wouldn't trade it for anything else. It was support and wisdom from others around me that helped me refine my why. In this show, I hope you find support and wisdom of your own. Hey, hey, guess who it is? Your favorite compadre. It is Danny. Um, and guess who I'm interviewing today? N- nobody. Jk. Psych you get to listen to little old me solo, flying, riding the solo plane, the solo train, whatever it is, and whatever else is another mode of transportation. Uh, So let's chat a little bit today because, um, well, I'm going to more chat at you, but hey, it's fun for both of us, right? If if you've been keeping up with me on social media, uh, today's date is actually Wednesday, April twenty eighth. Just so you know, if you're listening to this in the future time period, um, I've been talking a lot about investing on my Instagram page. If you follow me on if you follow me on Instagram, go check out my investing highlight I've posted and kept all of the posts that I made there for your conveyance. Um, if you're not following on following me on Instagram, then uh, hello, what the heck are you doing? Go follow me at Speech Goods. I'm posting all kinds of goodies up there on the daily. So speaking of goodies, because this is called Speech Goods, right? Let's chat about investing. So a lot of comments that I was getting before I had decided to discuss this topic were about uh investing in the idea that oh Danny I would love to invest. I know that's a good thing. I know it's something I should be I should be doing. Um but I really don't know like what to invest in. I don't really know a lot of the terminology, things like that. So today we're going to be punching walls, breaking down barriers. Um and taking a lot of these like fancy-schmancy terms that you might hear about investing and finance and things like that and just breaking them down into words that um, I myself could understand. <laughs> those, of, those of us with an average IQ, right? Uh, I love the idea of talk to me like I'm five. So I'm going to explain this to you uh, in similar ways that it was explained to me and also a culmination of a lot of the research, geeking out, and reading that I have gotten to do on this topic. So today, uh, I want to talk a little bit about like why you should invest, um, how to get money to invest, and your options for investing. So we're going to go tie this on an ice bow. Now, when it comes to things, financial literacy, uh, again, if you follow me on social media, that's mostly what I'm talking about and educating about is financial literacy for SLPs um, or any other clinician. I'm a humongous, ginormous open book. I love to share numbers and specifics and details. Uh, This is a no-flush show. Save it for the marshmallows. We're going to get to some real talk. But I'm also very, very much about doing what works for you and for your situation and for your tendencies. I advocate a lot for the idea that it takes a certain level of self-awareness to be successful financially, and there's no one surefire way uh, to get to your financial goals. It's really about what's going to work for you um, and what's going to give you success. So I really am more about spreading information as opposed to unless you ask me for my opinion, which I will always give you my opinion, but I really want to educate you and allow you to do the critical thinking for yourself. And also I will gladly share my opinions if you ask for them. So let's go ahead and jump into why you should invest. I feel like a lot of us out there know that investing is good and like know that lots of people that have fancy degrees and whatever do it, but let's talk about the real reason why. So first thing, let's talk about how the world is is changing very rapidly, okay? And one big reason that you need to invest is for retirement. I am not working until I'm 100 years old, right? The average life expectancy is about 79 years old, and that's also including child death and infant mortality. So um, hopefully, and I want you to live a long and happy life, but I also don't want you to be working 40 to 60 hours a week the entire time. So there's this running joke, especially among millennials. I don't know how many of you guys out there are millennials that like, haha, uh, we're totally. Uh, I guess the word would be screwed for retirement, <laughs> because let's be honest, a lot of companies uh, are no longer doing pension programs. So if you do not know what a pension is, uh, a pension is basically it's a form of ways a form of way to get an income during retirement, and it's guaranteed by your company. So basically, the employer makes contributions to a pool of funds that's set aside for like the worker's benefit. There's also an option to contribute funds from your own paycheck. There are some programs where the employer will actually match what you contribute. They can all be set up a little bit differently, but it's all done by the employer on the employee's behalf. Usually, this is an automatic thing. Um, It's changed a little bit or some companies might make it an option or you can potentially do uh, like a 401k versus pension option. But a lot of times it's not voluntary, especially for like government employees and things like that. I know the teachers in my area and uh, anyone who works for the school system will qualify for a state pension. So basically you put money into the state pension and then Whenever you retire, after you do, usually there's a minimum number of years that you have to work. I know in my state, for anyone who works for the state, I think it's uh, in the, at least in education, it's a minimum of 25 years. Uh, After that, then you get your pension, which is X amount per month. The only thing that is not so great about the pension is that when you die, uh, your pension dies with you. So when you die, you're not able to leave any money um, that you've invested into that pension to your heirs to your children change your family tree all that kind of stuff also with the pension fund like you're really kind of at the mercy of your employer so if your employer kind of screws something up um that kind of screws you too i'm sure you've heard the horror stories of companies that the pension the pension went broke or something like that um well at that point then you're just kind of left with nothing now if you're getting a pension from from fund from something like the state government. Uh, Unless you think the state's going to go belly up or something like that, you're probably fine. But for me and finances, I really, I I like to be able to control things a little bit more, especially when I'm thinking about something so far ahead in the future. And for something that like, I'm like really going to need money for when I retire. Um, So as I was saying, the world is changing. There's very, very few companies that are still doing pensions now. Um, from my research, I really only see them mostly in sort of these g- like government entities or government jobs. So a pension was kind of more of a passive way for retirement, like, oh, I don't really have to worry about it. I have my pension. Whereas now, um, since that's not really an option for a lot of us, we're having to take a more active role in our retirement by opening retirement accounts and contributing money to those retirement accounts some examples of retirement accounts are roth iras iras or 401ks Uh, if you are in the a hospital or education system you might have a 403b there's also something called a 457 i can do an episode later about the different types of retirement accounts just to give you some information so The idea behind these retirement accounts, let me talk to you about how it's supposed to actually work. I've had conversations with people that believed uh, in this idea that, okay, I just save all my money in this retirement account, and then I just, uh, I build up this giant savings, and then I just live off of the savings when I retire. No, 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 no. That is not how it works. Uh, it's it's going to be very, very difficult for you to save up enough money in one lump sum without any sort of uh, without getting any sort of dividends or using any sort of like actual investing, getting compound interest, things like that, for you to actually be able to live off of in retirement. So, the point of these retirement accounts or investments are to be able to, whenever you get to the point of retiring, to be able to live off of the income from your investments. So let's say you've been investing for, you've been investing for a good portion of your working life. You decide at 65, you wanna retire. By the way, retirement is not an age. Retirement is a financial number. I believe, uh, who's that, Chris Hogan or somebody said that, but it's so, so true. Uh, retirement isn't about an age. It's about when you got enough money to think and do it. So let's say you're 65 and you have a million dollars in your retirement accounts. Do you remember that fable about the goose that lays the golden eggs or is it the golden goose? Whatever. But you have the goose that lays the golden eggs and the golden eggs are, you know, represent money and you can sell them to get a bunch of money. So what you've invested, a.k.a. your principal, that is the goose. That's the one who's going to be popping out the golden eggs out of its booty. Okay, so you don't want to touch the goose, right? Because the goose is the one that's going to be making the golden eggs for you. So your principal and that million dollars is the goose. Now, the income that you can generate off of that from your dividends, basically the money that you're making off of your investments, ideally, you would want to be able to live off of that income, okay? So if I have a million dollars invested and I'm getting a 10% annual return, literally annual return is just a fancy word for how much money you're making. So if I'm making, if I have a million dollars invested, I'm making 10% on my money, what's 10% of a million dollars? $100,000, right? So The idea is if I have a million dollars invested, if I'm making 10% off of my money uh, per year, we're just going to, nothing in the stock market is going to be that clean, but we're just going to use those numbers for an example. Uh, That means I can live, if I can live off $100,000 a year, then I'm not touching the goose. I'm not touching the million dollars or taking any of that out. All I'm doing is living off of the income, off of the dividends, off of the return from that investment. So that's the whole idea behind the whole, okay, you gotta save money for retirement. You're not creating this like ginormous savings account. Um, You're never gonna have enough money that way, especially because of inflation. And we're going to get to that in a second. So we talked about how uh, there's really not many companies doing pensions anymore. Again, pension was kind of like you didn't have to worry about it. Uh, But I will tell you, you can probably get a better return on your money uh, with you being educated and picking your own investments, uh, like index funds, future funds, things like that, versus a company who's investing it for you. There's a lot of rules and regulations on companies and government entities about what types of things they can put um, pension funds into. So usually, I believe the average return on a pension is only about 4% that they're making. And again, when you die, they keep your money. So any money that you've invested into the pension, which you have been contributing to the pension, don't worry. Uh, any money that of yours that has gone to that pension, it whenever you die, Somebody else gets it versus, uh, or the government or whoever the company or whatever keeps it, versus if I was that person I was talking about earlier who I had that million dollars in my retirement in all my retirement accounts, I was living off of my income of a hundred thousand dollars per year. When I die, I have a million dollars that I can leave to my heirs, I can leave to my children, I can leave to I can leave to the homeless shelter, whoever the heck you want to leave it to. So. We don't, a lot of us do not have the options for pensions, um, just with the way that the world is changing again, not necessarily a bad thing, but it does kind of force you to take a more active role in your retirement planning. Second thing, uh, let's talk about social security and look, this is not a political show. Uh, I'm not here to share an opinion on it or whatever, but, uh, I personally am not going to count on social security. If I get it, great. Uh, but we really don't know what's going to happen with the whole social security thing. Uh, we we shall see. But honestly, I, I'm not counting on it. Because even, even if we do get social security uh, – I, Social Security—it's not that much money. It's really, really not. I—I um, I don't want to live off of you know two thousand dollars a month when I retire. Like I want to, and maybe they'll adjust it for inflation. Um, but it, it's not something that I'm going to count on, especially if you want to be thriving in retirement. I would not count on Social Security. I think your best bet is to. We're going to hope for the social security, hope that all the political stuff and the counting and all these things work out. But social, social security is not necessarily meant for you to completely live off of. Um, I think the best bet is to, if we get social security, all, all it is is simply, um, it's, a, it's a little something extra. Down here in Louisiana, we call it lanyop. It's something extra on top of what you're already saving for retirement. But I, I don't want to have to be penny pitching in retirement. I want to be spoiling, spoiling all my family members and and doing what I want to do. I want to be, I want to be that retired person with the, with the Hawaiian shirt and the straw hat, just living it up on the beach, baby. Okay. Uh, and I, don't, I, I do not plan on waiting until I'm 65 to be able to do that, but we can talk about that later. So, Overall, that is why you should invest and the ideas behind investing and how you're going to live off of the income from your investments. I'm gonna talk about the different types of investments or in a a very general sense later, like real estate, things like that, Um, but that's the idea. Second thing, how do I get money to invest? Okay. This is going back to what I bark at everybody all the time um, about why it's so important to have control of your finances, be on a budget. It's not about being on a budget of deprivation. It's about being on a budget for being intentional for your money um, and avoiding consumer debt like the plague pay it off, quit spending more money than you make, because guess what? When you spend more money than you make, you're going into debt and you don't have any money left over to invest so that you can retire a millionaire and hopefully multimillionaire um, by the time you get to that part, but whatever. And this is just based off of some very simple principles. You'll see this if you read any books about millionaires, Millionaire Next Door, Millionaire Mind, uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, Everyday Millionaires, things like that. They all do the same basic things. They avoid debt, they live on less than they make, and they invest the surplus. That's the big thing. You need to have surplus to invest. If you spend all your money, you're not going to have surplus and you're not going to be able to invest. Of how this whole like me being on the debt free train really got started because if you're, if you've got a thousand dollars in car payments each month, did you know the average car payment in America is about, it's a little over $500, I believe. Uh, so if you know, if you're married and you and your, you and your significant other, whoever the heck, have, have a, have both have vehicles, you're paying a thousand dollars a month just in car payments. The amount of money you could have if you invested a thousand dollars a month whenever you're, you know, if you're, if you're, 25, if you invested $1,000 a month, the amount of money you'd have when you're 45 is like astronomical. Another way to make sure that you have money to invest um, is just decreasing your overall consumption. That is a very, uh, very, very common thing that I've also been, anytime I read books about these people, you know, the everyday millionaires and the millionaire millionaires next door, these are regular people with regular incomes. These are teachers, these are engineers, these are speech pathologists. Intentional about not being hyper consumers, okay? Because the thing is, if you are are a hyper consumer, aka you just buy a bunch of crud that you really don't need, a lot of times you it doesn't matter how much money you're making. If you spend it all, it doesn't matter. The person who makes fifty thousand dollars and is able to save fifteen thousand dollars is better off than the person who makes two hundred thousand dollars and and spends three hundred thousand dollars. So decreasing your amount the amount of consumption and it's not just about decreasing your consumption it's about decreasing like frivolous and impulsive consumption because and I, I want to be very clear with everyone I am not an advocate of you know demonizing expensive purchases or nice things there is absolutely nothing wrong with nice things it's about when it becomes a problem when those nice things have, you, um, and it's all about in 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 reference to uh your entire financial world. A seventy five thousand dollar vehicle is not a bad thing. Like it, it's just a thing. Like it's a vehicle that costs seventy five thousand dollars. Um, if you make seventy thousand dollars a year and you drive a seventy five thousand dollar vehicle, that is in that's in a little bit of the stupid land. Like, I'm sorry if that's you, but it just is. Um, That makes absolutely no sense. You put almost basically an entire year of your income into something that is going down in value uh, when you could have bought something for like a seventh of the price that would still get the job done. Um, If you make a million dollars a year, a $75,000 vehicle in, in reference to your income within your financial world, is not that big of a deal. Um, So it's not about demonizing expensive purchases. It's not about never having nice things. I have some nice things. Uh, I actually just bought some those you know those fake scrubs or whatever I finally decided I finally decided like okay Danny you need an upgrade I wanted to make I I really want to make sure like kind of upping my professional look or whatever we want to call it Uh, but anyways uh, so I decided to go ahead and I bought a couple pairs and uh, they're actually really really nice I'm really glad I bought them Um, but you know that's not a bad thing I, I budgeted for it it wasn't buying these scrubs was not it wasn't me being impulsive it wasn't taking away from my other goals. Um, whereas like some people, they just can't stomach the idea of paying, paying $85 or whatever the heck it is for a pair of scrubs. I think it's like $86 for a pair of scrubs. Again, it's not, it's not good or bad. It just, it just is. And it's all about your goals. Now, whenever I was, you know, 50 something thousand dollars in debt, would I have bought these scrubs? Absolutely not. Because at that point it would have been, you know, the purchase of these scrubs would have taken away from my goal. So it's all about where you are in your journey, um, and your the level of consumption that you are comfortable with. So I love to really discuss this in reference to vehicles. Vehicles is a great example. Vehicles go down in value. People say a car is an investment. I I don't I, I think a car is especially depending on where you live, is a necessity. Uh, if you do not have access to tra- uh, public transportation, in my area, a car is a necessity. Like, you have to have a car. There's lots of highways and roads, and we live, we live in a, down by the bayou, so we ain't, we ain't got no subway trains and all that stuff. We have too much mud. <laughs> so anyways, a car is a necessity, okay? A $50,000 car is not a necessity, There's nothing wrong with a $50,000 car, but it's not a necessity. So like for my husband and I's income together, we may combined about $130,000 a year. Like that's about what we make uh, with our combined incomes. Now that, uh, now that my practice is now that I have my practices, you know, I've been in it for a year, my work and everything is pretty consistent. So, I do really like the Dave Ramsey guideline for cars. I think it just makes a lot of sense. Uh, So for his guideline, he says no more than half of your annual income should be tied up in vehicles, aka things that go down in value. So that's cars, that's golf carts, motorcycles, boats, because those things are expensive purchases and they don't go up in value they go down in value and they take away from your net worth. So, for my husband's income, my husband and I's income, we make about 100. It's like 120 to 130. I think we are closer to 130 this year combined. We both work full time. Uh the most that we could have in cars, a, a reasonable amount that we could have in cars would be about you know $65,000 worth of vehicles, okay? So, if I wanted to go out and buy a car, a $25,000 car, um, that wouldn't be completely unreasonable for our income. But for me, uh, I do not feel for me personally, I just don't feel that's worth it. Like I would much rather see that money go towards something else. Uh, whenever we do buy a vehicle for myself, we're probably going to buy something more around the $15,000 range, but y'all riding that check, even though it's a completely reasonable purchase, we plan for it, save for it, riding that check is going to hurt, but you know what? It, It should hurt. You should feel things when you buy them. You should feel the pain of, of trading your money for something else. It makes you uh, make a much wiser decision uh, when you're looking at purchases. So again, there's these sort of guiding principles that you should look at. And then within those guiding principles, a lot of it is personal preference. If someone, if a couple with similar income as my husband and I, they decide to go buy a $25,000 car, um, I wouldn't look at them and say, that's really stupid. But for me, uh, for us and our priorities, and this type of people we are, that's just not like that's just not something I'm very interested in, and not what I put what I not what I want to put my money into. Another way to actually have money to invest is to work on increasing your income. Uh, For us as SLPs, there is somewhat just but based upon the way that we get paid there is somewhat of a gla- of a glass ceiling on our income. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's not a terrible thing, but you know, you are paid for the therapy that you can provide and there's only so many any hours in the day that you can provide therapy, uh, especially quality therapy at that, right? So, ways to improve your income um First of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna list these resources um, in the show notes so that you guys can have them. One way to increase your income is potentially to seek out another place of employment. Really look and see uh, if what you're being paid is about the average for your area. If you go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's BLS.gov. It's literally it's for, it's all the information. They get a lot of this from like the census data and things like that. It's it's like legit. It's a doc so it's great. Um, find out what the average salaries are for certain for your setting in your area, and make sure that what you're being paid is a fair is a fair salary um, and fair compensation for your area. If you're looking for a job that maybe you want a higher income, uh, if you go to at SLP Resume on Instagram, she has a bunch of resources about interview tips, pumping up your resume, things like that. That's another. That's one great way to. Increase your income. Another way you can increase your income is some side hustles, baby. And you know what? They don't have to be speech therapy side hustles if you don't want to. I've had that conversation with someone in my DMs about how. They just felt they love speech therapy, but their side hustle has nothing to do with speech therapy. And that actually kind of like helps them to enjoy therapy more to kind of get out of the speech therapy world. They ain't nothing wrong with that. There was this Facebook girl that I was looking at. There was one girl who was making bank selling stuff on Poshmark. I said, okay, go ahead. Let's do this. So finding some sort of side hustle, it can be in speech therapy it could be not out of speech therapy um you know my husband's side hustle he picks up scrap that people leave out um like in their yards like scrap metal and he brings it to the scrap yard for money and he it's something that he genuinely enjoys it's something that doesn't take a lot of like mental or emotional energy and he can make a couple extra bucks of it One way that I made extra money while I was trying to get out of debt was taking on a PRN position at a hospital, and there was an agreement that if I worked one weekend a month, uh, they would actually pay me an extra $10 for my hourly rate. So that was a really good deal for me, and that's like more of a speech therapy thing. There's plenty of speech therapists that still sell stuff on Teachers Pay Teachers. You can do courses. There's just all of the things. And this is something I don't, uh, this next part I'm going to talk about, it's not something that I I, I typically address very often. There's some uh, amazing speech therapists uh, out there and well non-speech ter- speech therapists out there. Isn't it like the most ironic thing whenever I mispronounce or mess up saying speech therapist? Goodness, help me. Anyways, uh, there's a lot of SLPs out there. See Notice I, instead of saying speech therapist, I just said SLP because it's easier for me to say, are you judging me right now? It's okay if you are, because I'm kind of judging myself. Anyways, back to the topic, Danny. There's a lot of great SLPs out there who talk about uh, like gratitude and mi- like mindset and all that kind of stuff. Um, they have some really really great information. I definitely encourage you to go seek them out. I think Thanks Morris has one. Uh, Rachel SLP Rach or Speech SLP Rach has one. Speech with Rach. That's her name. Speech with Rach. She has a lot of great information out there. So this is something that is going to be very important for your financial health is your emotional and your mental health. Um, If you are exhausted, well, your emotional, mental, and physical health, if you are constantly exhausted, you're, you feel like crud all the time, it's going to be really difficult for you to get that little extra pep in your step to do a hide, su- to hide Gosh, I'm not going to edit this. I'm just going to leave it and let you enjoy, uh, to do a side hustle or to sit down and, and look at your finances to open an account on Vanguard. So one thing that I would really encourage you to do is make sure how you're feeling and kind of do a check-in with yourself on your mental, emotional, and physical health. Um, because your finances will affect those things, but those things also affect your finances. And it's kind of like this beautiful little like circle of goo that comes together. So just like a little quick caveat, because I know for me. Um, Having energy and feeling good, and the way that I the way that I eat and exercise, definitely plays a big part in my ability to do all the things that I do, like have a full caseload and still ramble on this podcast and talk to you. Okay, so we just talked about why you should invest, the idea behind retirement, and how retirement savings works. Then we also talked a little bit about how to get money to invest. You need you need to use your income. Your income is your greatest tool to build wealth because when you have more, when you have income that you are not spending all of it, you can invest the surplus. But now you're like, okay, Danny, what the heck do I put my money in though? Like, oh, uh, what's going on? Okay. I'm not going to get into like super nitty gritty about like a specific, like, this is what an index fund is. I'm not going to get into all that nitty gritty stuff necessarily right now. Uh, if in the future you want me to get into that on the podcast, 100% shoot me a DM, Instagram and let me know but we're just gonna give some general categories Uh, and this is not an exhaustive list but usually um, from I've done a lot of just research and YouTubing and you can learn like anything on YouTube it's awesome Um, and these are generally the categories that you're going to see people doing long-term investments investments in y'all are just gonna have to really enjoy all of my speech errors today I, I don't know what it is okay Sanding the judgment. Let's keep going. First of all, uh, the big two, mo- the two biggest ones, are going to be real estate and somehow investing in the stock market in some form or fashion. So first, let's talk real estate. So. The idea of investing in real estate. So, the first thing could be like your primary residence. All right. So, this isn't something that's necessarily going to make you a bunch of money. Now, yes, your home will go up in value. So, whenever you do, if and when you just decide to sell it, uh, you could technically be making money at the sale. So, if you bought it for $150,000 and you stayed in it, for 10 years and now it's worth $200. Once you sell it, you would technically make that $50,000. I don't really think of my home 100% as uh, an investment that I'm gonna make money off of. I think of my home as more of, first of all, I am regulating my cost of housing first of all you gonna pay something for housing okay right uh danny ain't living under a box i'm just not i just can't do it so i did actually live me joe and i did actually live in a refurbished bus the first year of our marriage to save money and pay off student loans that's another story Uh, if you want to hear about that shoot me a dm anyways uh I think of more of my of my housing as first of all I'm going you're going to pay something for your housing um but at least whenever you're owning the home at least you're building equity in something and uh, also it should it should go up in value uh it's not a, it's not it's not a 100% risk free thing um and then again you're also making sure you're keeping your house ho- cost of housing um at a level at a level rate versus uh rents do tend to go up uh, usually yearly or every couple of years To, like, give a little quick, like, whoop, like, to insert this little caveat about home buying, I do believe buying a home is a really, really, really great thing for all the reasons that I listed before, but that does not mean that buying a home is right for everyone at Your particular time in your particular life or your particular lifestyle. For example, uh, if you think that you're going to be moving, if you think you're only going to be there for a year or two, you're not going to be there for at least five to seven years, I would highly recommend just renting because at that point you might even actually lose money by the time you sell the house. Even if your house has gone up in value. You're also going to need to account for the expenses that come along with selling your house. You have to pay realtor fees. You have to pay closing costs, things like that. Unless you just, if you get lucky, which don't advocate on making financial decisions and hoping that you get lucky, but hey, um, and you just happen to buy at a really, really good time and then uh, for whatever reason, your area just like completely booms and, and you end up making... $30,000 or $40,000 on your house. Again, that's not a tactic that I would recommend because there's much, much better, less riskier and wiser things that you can be doing uh, to make money off of your investments and off of your income another little thing to consider, uh, it may also not be the right time for you to have a home. If you are like drowning in consumer debt or student loans, it's going to be very difficult to keep up with regular repairs, things like that. If you've got, you know, a thousand dollars in car payments and student loan payments, uh, unlike with renting at your house, when the hot water heater breaks, guess who's going to be writing the checks. Uh, or if the AC and heating goes out, I mean, that that's like at least a $5,000 bill that you're looking at. So, you need to be sure like if you're going into home ownership that you can actually afford the expenses that go along with home ownership and that you're ready and financially we can also have another episode about that so there's that side of real estate of what you're going to use for your primary residence and then you can invest in real estate by buying either homes or some sort of like complexes, like apartment complexes, duplexes on like the residential side and renting those out. And you are getting income from people who rent them. Or uh, usually this is much more uh, expensive, much, a lot more dollars involved. If you can buy some sort of commercial property, like think like a shopping center or something like that. And then you can have people, uh, individuals, maybe it could be like restaurants or stores. Again, this is like commercial things that can rent spaces from you. And then you are collecting income off of that rental property. So that is something that is very common. Uh, My husband and I, that's something that is a goal of ours to get into is to have rental property, Uh, probably just stay in the residential, uh, rent the residential side. Commercial, again, is just, it's, it commercial makes a lot, usually makes a lot more money, uh, but it typically takes a lot more money to get started. So for us, once we pay off our house, we, uh, that's something that we want to do is save up money to buy our first Rental property. Okay, so we taught it briefly. Talked about real estate. Uh, That's kind of the two broad categories. Okay, and then now let's talk about the stock market. Okay, Uh, this is probably the most common when you think of retirement accounts, four hundred one ks, IRAs, Roth IRAs. I mentioned earlier. um, Those are things that those are like. Think of those as buckets for you to put your investments in. AKA your investments in the stock market. You can buy individual stocks. So basically you're buying a bit of, uh, a, pe- of a particular company. Uh, every And I, I, I have this post on my Instagram as well. So go check out my highlight on Instagram if you don't follow me already at speech goods, by the way. You can also buy funds. So like index funds or mutual funds, uh, which are just a little caveat, much, much less risky than buying individual stocks. Um, But typically that's what you're going to see uh, in, insofar as like investing in the stock market. Um, I feel like a lot of people can get really intimidated by it, but a lot of times you fear what you don't know. So I encourage you do your research. Um, I always am posting stuff about this kind of things. I do plan on coming out with some sort of financial literacy uh, course for you guys so that you guys can actually take it and get into the nitty gritty details. So that will be coming your way at some point in the future. Please DM me if you have any questions about it all right so that is basically my nitty-gritty down and dirty no fluff save it for the marshmallows uh run down very fast on investing obviously there is definitely a lot more that goes into it it's it's guys i promise you it's really not hard or complicated you just have to take the time and find the resources in order to learn about it and again i hope to provide you with more information uh i myself and in the process of creating resources for you because this is so, so, so important. Because let's just go back to why I'm even talking about this in the heck of first place. Um, I hear this a lot that you didn't go into the skill for the money. And I think that's great. Like, I think that is it is great that that we have a job that we would do for free because I would do it for free. But, you know, like, that's not the world that we live in, right? And I truly, truly, truly believe in the idea of getting your financial life in order, getting your financial plan there, and you feeling comfortable and you feeling confident in what you're doing with your money and with your finances. And that alters your life like a kabillion folds. Like for real, I talk about this all the time. The fact that my husband and I worked so hard to get out of debt, I paid off my student loans, set us up for so many amazing opportunities in the future that we very likely might have, might not have not have been able to take had we still been saddled with a bunch of student loan debt. I truly believe that if we create a generation of financially literate, financially confident SLPs, we can change the field. You hear me talking about lots of topics, but I always bring it back to money and finance because I really, really think that that's an area that When you experience growth in that area, and not just growth with making more money, I'm talking growth with your knowledge, growth with your understanding, growth with your confidence, it just seeps into all other areas of your life. That's why I interview SLPs on this show. This one, you you just got to hear me on this episode, but that's why I'm interviewing SLPs on this show, have gotten out done the dang thing. These people, I want to interview people who they're not burnt out. They don't hate their jobs. They're not dissatisfied with their pay. Okay. So this is part of why I've I've created the show. And I want you to learn. I want you to be successful. I want to create, er, not create, I want to help create a generation of millionaire SLPs because it's possible y'all. And I, I want to get, out of this narrative that we get stuck in so more so much with like well I'm in a helping profession you know I, I don't get paid a lot but I love what I do there's nothing wrong with that like there's absolutely nothing wrong with that it's about if if, if you don't like it if you have a problem with it and a, a lot of us do I, I had a problem with it and it didn't mean that I was greedy or mean or evil it just meant that I had goals for my life um, I had financial goals I have goals for what I want to be able to give back to the community. You know what? If I was still drowning in debt and being a slave to all of my to my former jobs and not not being able to start my private practice, I would not have time to sit down here on my laptop and yippity-yap to you and share all this knowledge to you. So, there's so many things that go into this topic. Again, uh, I could talk about this forever, but I know you're probably like Danny. I need to go. I'm in my car. Goodbye, or I'm running or walking or whatever it is that you're doing. So I, I do want to leave you with that: that money is not evil. Thinking about money is not evil. It, it's a it's a life skill that we all really need to know because money does not buy happiness, but money can provide opportunities. That can help with your happiness if you hate your job and you are exhausted all the time burnt out making crap money it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to feel happy and satisfied with your life and that is okay so i really just want to break down all of these like walls that nobody wants to talk about talk about these real topics and answer your questions in a real way uh, just from my own learning and from my own experience and also showing off all of these amazing therapists um, that are doing the same and kicking butt. So please always feel free. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. If you have questions that you want me to answer or things that you would like for me to talk about about on the podcast. See, I told you I'm not editing all of these uh, speech errors today. (laughs) Please let me know. I absolutely love hearing from you. Okay. I'm going to stop talking. I want you to go do the dang thing. See you later thank you so, so much for listening to this episode. Be sure you are subscribed so you can continue to get more no fluff content from me. And I would really appreciate it if you took a small amount of time to leave a review for the podcast. It really helps to boost it in the search engines and ratings. And it allows me to continue to produce this content for you and get this message out there to other SLPs and healthcare professionals. And as always, happy wealth building and go do the dang thing.